How many of you believe that with God all things are possible? That God can just speak as He did at the beginning of time and create the heavens and the earth that the worlds came into existence just at His Word. Believe that God actually divided the Red Sea and the Israelites went across on dry ground. And then we come into the book of Joshua and we read that God divided, well actually no, it doesn't say that, it says he stopped up the waters. So I have a picture of this in my mind with God holding back the waters with his hands and it said the waters backed up kind of like in a big reservoir way upstream to the city of Adam. And God is able to do anything. And one of the things that just amazes me is that the children of Israel did not walk across this river in a muddy swamp. It says they walked across on dry ground. Our God is able to do anything that he desires to do. So tucked away in Joshua chapter 10, there is a story that showcases the kind of faith that believes God for the impossible. As the chapter opens, we read in verse 5 that there are five opposing Amorite armies that were planning to attack the Israelites. So having decided to strike first instead of giving the enemy the advantage, Joshua led his entire army toward the Amorites on an all-night march. Sometime during that march, God spoke to Joshua in verse 8 and told him, I like this, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. Man, with that kind of promise from God, how can you not go forward in faith? So at dawn, the Israelites unleashed a surprise attack. And right from the beginning, the battle went well. And when the enemy lines broke and the Amorites started to flee into the valley, Joshua's men chased them down and then God got personally involved in their battle. Say this with me, church. God wants to get personally involved in my life. God wants to get personally involved in my life. So look at verse 11. It says, as they fled before Israel, the Lord gets personally involved in their lives. He hurled large hailstones down on them from the sky. Can you imagine that? You think... I can get out of this battle. I can run. I can't defeat them, but I can run. And God's picking up hailstones and he's chucking them down on the army. It's one thing to have met some man upset at you. It's quite another thing to have the Lord God Almighty upset at you. And as the sun begins to sink toward the horizon, Joshua faces a decision. The victory wasn't complete, and once it got dark, Joshua was afraid that the Amorites would slip away 
and get prepared to come back and fight again. But Joshua was determined to fight on and to win the battle decisively. He didn't want to have to fight the same enemy another time. So Joshua sized up the situation. He summoned all his faith in God and he prayed one of the most bold, faith-filled prayers recorded for us in the Bible. In verse 12, he prayed, O sun, stand still over Gibeon. O moon, over the valley of Ajalon. Now, you know in the natural this can't happen, right? Well, Joshua had audacious faith to believe that the God who made the heavens and the earth could suspend whatever laws that he had put in place and he could make the sun stop in the sky or to freeze time on behalf of his people if God chose to do so. And I have read of other theologians who have tried to say why this did not really happen. I have the belief that the God who simply spoke and caused this world to exist could also speak again to the sun and say, stand still, and the sun's going to stand still, or the earth is going to stand still, however that works. And I don't have to try to figure it out scientifically how this works. I believe that God has the power to do whatever God wants to do, and I know that this kind of faith and prayer seems impossible to us. I don't know that I have the faith to pray that kind of prayer. God, I, I want the sun to stand still and believe seriously that God will do it. I don't know that I have the faith to believe that God is actually going to battle for me and chuck hailstones down out of the heavens on the enemies that come against us. But I believe that he has the power to do it. And I believe that if God decides this is what I'm going to do, there is absolutely nothing that can stop him. And even though it doesn't make sense scientifically, according to scripture, God gave Joshua exactly what he asked for. And just when the Amorites were hanging on for the cover of darkness, their day of hell was not going to come to an end. God comes out for an encore. Verse 13 and 14. It says, The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. Wow. There has never been a day like it before or since. God listened to the voice of a man. The Lord was fighting for Israel. And you know what I think? How stupid were the Israelites 40 years before when God brings them to the promised land and they are in fear that God isn't going to deliver them. And so instead of trusting in God, they look at their own strength and their own manpower and they look at the giants, the barriers in front of them, and they have fear instead of faith. And as a result of that, they don't obey God. 
And God sends that whole generation back into the wilderness and their bones bleach in the desert because of lack of faith. Now, this generation is in the promised land. As John spoke last time, how the walls of Jericho came down, how Rahab fit into that picture, and how through Rahab, God was able to bring about his plans and his purposes. And we see her in the line of genealogy of Jesus. Now, in this situation, they are trying to take the promised land that has been brought to them and these other kings, five of them, are going to oppose them and God begins to do what only God can do and he begins to fight for his people. I don't know how God did it. I believe he did because I believe nothing is impossible with God. I choose to believe that the same God who raised Lazarus from the dead And Jesus from the grave on the third day intervened in history on this day to answer Joshua's outrageous, bold prayer. And he did it in a way that the people would never forget. Now, could it be that God intends for us to have that same kind of bold faith? The kind of faith that dares to believe God For the impossible. With everything within me, I want that kind of faith. I believe God still desires to respond in power to every believer who believes that with God, all things are possible. And if God can make the sun stand still on this day in Joshua's life so that he could complete the battle for the Lord, what do you need to ask for in faith in your life? What does God want to do through you? Do you have the audacity to ask him? And I would say, guys, there is a big difference between hope and faith. So many times, I'm hoping something will work out. Faith believes that it is going to work out because this is what God wants to do. And if God can make this happen in Joshua's life, I want you to realize this morning that God can make the dreams The things that you think are too big for you to deal with, God can make all of that diminish. And the things that look like mountains can look like molehills in just a moment of time. If you've ever set out to accomplish a dream that was just too big for you, you're not alone. Maybe you set out on a business venture that didn't succeed like you thought it would. Maybe you prayed for a physical healing that didn't happen. Or you prayed for a reconciliation of a strained family relationship that continued to crumble and eventually fall apart. Maybe you planned to pass on to your children a set of values that would instill within them a sense of God's purpose and divine destiny that would make them powerful men and women of God 
but you've watched them or others in your family be seduced by the entrapments of this world and you've watched them strive for worldly success but not really find their place in the kingdom of God. Maybe you've been disappointed with a relationship that you greatly desired and that relationship never materialized as you had planned. Maybe at one time in your heart you dreamed to do something great for God but you had no idea on how to make it happen and it seemed like God had passed you by. If so, you're not alone. And keeping your faith intact when you feel let down or disappointed or weak and broken can be the beginning of a new life of hope and joy and fulfillment because God is in the business of making all things new. And I've discovered that the crisis of hurt and disappointment can become the foundation that a stronger faith is built upon. When Joshua had to experience the same punishment of wandering in the desert for 40 years because of the unbelief of others, even though he personally had faith in God, it must have been disappointing. Why do I have to deal with this? I had faith in God, but he had to go through that same desert and marching around the Sinai Peninsula for 40 years along with so many other people, even though he personally wasn't the guilty one. You understand? We read this, but we're not really thinking a lot of times. 40 years of disappointment. Maybe he was overcome by doubt that he could fill Moses' shoes at being the leader of the nation of Israel after Moses' death. But we don't read about that. What we do read is that Joshua was a man of faith. And he was a man who believed that with God on his side, he could not fail if he obeyed God and acted upon what God had promised. And so we read that Joshua asked God for the sun to stand still so that the battle could be completed and the Bible records what God did next. He stopped the sun and he accomplished what seemed to be the impossible as the people of God gained a great victory through the power and the sovereignty of God. I want a piece of that action. I want to know that God is so real and so powerful and loves me so much that he's willing to work in my own life. Wouldn't you like to know how it feels to see God accomplish the impossible right in front of your eyes? I shared with you that I was born in the hills of Kentucky. That my father, after leaving World War II, after becoming a Christian in his 30s, he went to Bible college for a couple years and then went into the Appalachian Mountains, into the hill country where the Kentucky moonshiners were all working their stills and Dad went into that area 
to take the gospel. There had been another preacher there before him. And they had kicked him out of the valley, out of the mountain area. My dad took his truck as far up the creek bed as he could go. And he and my mother and my older sister, who was a baby at that time, rode the rest of the way in on the back of mules. And back there, at that point in time, everyone either rode horses or mules. And at times, the, the government would come in, the, the uh, revenuers, and there would be wars between the moonshiners and the revenuers. And the guy still would either carry a shotgun, a rifle, or a sidearm. And dad would make them put the, their guns under the church uh, foundation. There was no foundation, just pillars before they came into the service to curb anything. It's interesting, my son Dave, who leads the Lion's Den, which is now Limitless Ministry, told me they had just made a requirement that all guns have to be checked in at the info table when they come into the church unless they are concealed. (laughs) I said, Dave, only at the den was that going to happen. But in that area where I was born, there was no one, there was no hospital for my mother to go to. There was a, something that they called the Frontier Nursing Service. My mother was the nurse, and she had a lady that she was training to assist her. And one day, according to their story, I quit breathing as a baby and died. And my mother was holding me and crying, trying to resuscitate me to no use. And she was continuing to to do the CPR and bring me back to life. And my dad was walking the floor and he was praying, he was crying. And then my mother handed my body to my dad and he continued to walk the floor and pray. And after some time, according to my parents' testimony, my dad prayed a prayer that went something like this. If our son... Jonathan is going to grow up and be a hindrance to your kingdom and to your church. Then we ask that you take him now. But if he will grow up to be a blessing to your church and will serve you, he said, I ask for you to give life back into his body. And he looked down and he said, I was looking up at him, smiling. God can do whatever God wants to do. I can't go back and say, okay, I want a doctor to document this. I take my parents' testimony that this happened. And they believe that with God, all things are possible. Wouldn't you like to know how it feels to experience God's intervention in your behalf and to bring about a miracle or a divine intervention in what seems to be an impossible situation in your life?
You want to join me in believing that we are God's church? And that with God's help, we can be world changers as we bring God's truth to our generation. I am captivated by Joshua's faith. And I believe the mission that Jesus gave to us to go into the world and preach the gospel to every nation can become a reality as we together do our part to obey the commission of Jesus and begin to believe that God wants to use us to change our world for the glory of Jesus. The apostolic leader of our group was visiting with me. And he said, so John, you're planning in the fall to head south. I I understand the physical problems that you've been having. Are you kicking around the idea of planting more churches in the south? I said, well, let's just see what God does. And if God wants to use me in that, I am usable. He said, well, there's something I've talked with you before about. And I want to share it with you again. He says, don't forget that I believe God is calling you to go into the nations as well. And I said to him, Steve, if God wants to do that, he has to bring healing to my body. Because I don't want to get into another country like I did in Greece and wished I could be home because I was hurting so bad and my knees were inflamed and I could hardly walk. And I said, I felt like a cripple and I was embarrassed for people to see me like this. I said, so if God wants to heal me, I'm willing to be used to go into the nations or in the south or whatever God wants to do, I'm willing. It's depending upon God. And I believe that if God wants to heal me, He can do so in a moment of time. Because I've seen that repeatedly in my life. There was a point in time where I had ulcerative colitis so badly that the doctor said, either we remove your colon this week, or you agree to go on steroids for the rest of your life. And when he explained to me what was going to happen, I said, I am not comfortable with either one of those. And I said, I am a man of faith, and I know people of faith will be praying with me, and I am going to be praying for healing. And he said to me, I know you are a pastor, and we've had many talks which we had on theology. And uh, he said, but John, you will be begging for the medicine by the end of this week. So I'm calling in the order to the pharmacy, and it's there for you to pick up. I never went and picked it up. And God brought about a complete healing of that in my body. We serve an awesome God. Now, I don't know why God has not yet completely healed me of this inflammation. But I have faith to believe that in God's timing, He will do what He wants to do, and He can completely heal me of that. The story of my life, the story of your life, the story of this church is still being written. And I believe that God wants to move on our behalf. I believe that God stands ready to move on behalf of people 
who will believe him for the impossible and will be willing to put into action the faith that God has imparted to us so that he can show himself strong and faithful to those who believe. So I am inviting you to be a main character in the story that God is writing. And I'm inviting you to believe that God is still a God of miracles. That he wants to use you to help transform this world one person at a time as you reach out in faith and allow him to transform you. Christy, if I may share this, just before service this morning, she's saying, telling me about her father. Uncle, uncle, yes, and your mother, wasn't it? Who are not believers. And she's saying, I believe God wants me to go back and to share my testimony with them. What do you think? I think God wants to use Christy. I think God wants to use you. God wants to use me. We will not all impact the same people. We all have people that we are influential in their lives over. And there's nothing our world needs any more desperately today in individuals and in families and in businesses and churches and communities than God's saving grace and power. And God is ready to act, I believe many times, if we will ask boldly in faith, believing that God wants to do the impossible in someone else's life. Good to have Scotty with us today. We have seen at the lion's den over and over again. God bring miracles. People that were in the dredges of sin. Had been in prison for all sorts of things. And typically I didn't share this with the people. But in many cases we had people that had been in prison because of murder, because of rape, because of incest, because of all sorts of things. Sitting in church and worshiping God because we serve a God who is able to redeem completely regardless as to their past. And regardless as to who they are, because our God is more than able to bring redemption and to transform life into today's world. 1919. What, what in 2019? <laughs> wow, I'm getting it twisted up. I'm thinking I'm still, oh well. He's evil, able. He's even able to help my brain. (laughs) God has called each one of us to be people of faith. We've been called to use our gifts and our talents with our own God-given personalities to reach our generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ so that through his glory and through his power, individuals and families and the community and the state and the nation can be changed by the power of God. You know, we have all of these stories as to why we didn't like President Obama, or we didn't like Clinton, or we don't like Trump. And we have all of these things that, you know, can be big things in our lives. I want to tell you this. 
God can change every one of them. And though I am frustrated with the House and frustrated with the Senate, and I'm thinking, why don't we elect people that are godly into those positions? God is able to do what God wants to do. And the scripture actually says that God sets kings, presidents in positions of power. And he is able to remove them as well. Now, if I were God, I would have done things differently entirely. But I'm not God. So God gives me a responsibility to pray for those in authority over me. You and I may never see the sun stand still. But we serve the same God who made the sun stand still for Joshua. We may not see the dead rise, but I have friends who have seen that. I believe that God is still the same today as he was in the days of Joshua. And as he was in the days when Jesus walked the hills of Galilee. And I believe that he is the same God who wants to speak into our lives today and I believe that all things are possible to him who believes. The same power that stopped the sun, raised Christ from the grave, lives in you and me, and God still demonstrates his power and supplies his provision, I believe in direct proportion to the faith of his children. This is about believing God is wanting to work in my life. And he wants to accomplish his plans and his purposes in your life, even though you don't have the ability in your own strength and in your own wisdom to make it happen. And this kind of faith is not limited to those who have completed the gifted and talented program at school. This is for school teachers and for truck drivers and from painters and for carpenters and for bookkeepers and office workers and salesmen and co- college students and high schoolers and housewives and mothers and fathers and sons and daughters and whoever will reach out and believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that he wants to show himself strong on our behalf. Together, we can be part of a great move of God in our generation. God is no respecter of persons. He can use you, he can use me, to be a Joshua in our generation, so that his glory will be revealed throughout the whole earth. At the conference, we listened just momentarily to Topsy from South Africa, a black, large South African lady who, when her husband came to faith in Jesus Christ, told him when he went home that he was no longer going to be able to enjoy physical relationships with her. And told him that he would have to fix his own meals. And told him 
that she didn't want anything to do with his faith. And he was on his own. And he began to walk as a godly man and presented to her what it was like to have a godly man in the home. And she began to wonder what brought about this transformation. And she began to hunger after what Jesus only could do in her life. And she gave her life to Jesus Christ after some time. She became our apostolic leader's PA, which means personal assistant, when she had no idea what a PA was. And God was lifting her from the ash heap of society and bringing her to a position of authority in the kingdom of God. And while we were in Greece, and I believe we showed that clip here, didn't we? She began to sing out just through the Spirit one session as we were all worshiping God. She began to sing out her praise to God. And the other Africans began to join her in this, what would you call that, where they're repeating what she has just sung? A call yes, a call and response. And it was awesome, guys. Especially when you think what her life was like and what God has done in her life today. I don't have her testimony. You don't have her testimony. You don't have my testimony. And I don't have yours. We sometimes think that God only uses the person with a dramatic testimony in able to use them to bring someone else to Christ. You know, like before I met Christ, I was the chief of sinners. At the age of six, I fed crack cocaine to my dog. At the age of nine, I began to experiment with heroin. By age 19, I had been in and out of three prisons. And years later, while leading an international witchcraft convention in Salem, Massachusetts, I finally met Jesus. Well, sorry, that's not my testimony. And while some Christian conversion stories may be more spectacular than others, that doesn't make them more significant because God allows people to go through the exact experiences He wants them to have in order to shape the specific destiny that He's designed for them. So I will meet people that you will never meet and I will be influential over people that you will never be influential over. And likewise, the same with you and me. I still get calls, actually texts right now, from police officers in Missoula asking me a theological question about something. I had one last week. You'll probably never get those texts from them. I still have influence over certain people's lives in government that you will never know. And you have influence over people in your neighborhood, people that you work with, that I may never meet, but you have the possibility of being, quote, Jesus to them. And they see Jesus through your life.
They see Jesus' work through your hands. They hear what Jesus has to say through your mouth. Because they may never read the Word of God, but they're listening to you. That's when we say, oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down with love, so be careful what you do, what you see, what you hear, who you are. Because there are people that are looking to you. And they are basing whether God is real or not, possibly on your life. Throughout the history of the church, my time's about up, God has used men and women just like you and me to fulfill his plan. Yet it may may be hard to connect all the dots in your life to see how God has uniquely shaped you for the mission that you have. But I guarantee you, there is no one else quite like you or quite like me in this world. And God has no plan B for your life. It's still plan A. Right where you are right now in your life. God has a plan to continue to mold you and shape you, to be his ambassador, to be his minister of love and reconciliation to the people around us. And God is allowing me to speak to you today because God loves you and God loves me. And God wants to increase your faith and my faith so that we will be men and women who are totally sold out to the will of God for our lives and will not be satisfied with a mediocre life of complacency, just putting in time here on planet Earth until we become too old to stay here anymore and then God takes us home. Now, God has put us here to fulfill the purpose that he has created us for. Let's bow our heads. I ask you to go ahead and stand with me while I pray. Father God, we're so thankful that you don't work just through the rich and the famous, through the super spiritual and the super gifted, but you work through every man and every woman who will surrender his self or herself to you. God, make us people of bold, audacious faith. Intervene on our behalf so that your kingdom will come and your will will be done in our generation. Lord, we want to know what it means to live lives to the full and to do ministry that is empowered with the Holy Spirit. We want to see you move so that the world will know that God is in control and that you can do anything. Give us faith to believe that the very gates of hell will not stand against the power of your church under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So fill us afresh with your spirit. Give us boldness to live out our faith at work, at home in the marketplace and make us men and women who are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to be used to change the hearts of those who still are living in darkness. Give us divine opportunities for sharing our faith and to present the glory of Jesus in our lives so that others will see him and we give you the praise for you are worthy.